Chub Creek. 150. Actually, well, I guess it's technically correct, but it just sounds weird because I like to say 150 because everybody really is used to saying the and, but technically it's incorrect, so I did just the 150. Uh, anyway. Way back when, when we didn't have to think, come on in, don't be a dick. The boys on the farm didn't mean any harm. On the banks of Chub Creek. Chub Creek. Good afternoon. Found a nice little spot. I am at a place called Forks of the Credit. I've been here before um, a few times, and I really like it. It's different in that it's kind of out in the open, but uh, so you get a lot of full sun. But I've got my cap and my lots of water, so I'll be okay. And it's not that hot today. But it's cool because the, the greenery is, it's millions and millions of milkweed pods, you know. Um, this is the place I, I came before where I saw the cicada just grasping onto a little milkweed pod or a milkweed stalk, just hanging on for dear life. And it was just so interesting to see him because uh, it was obvious that he evolved for sitting on sticks because you could see one eye on either side. He was completely perfect for doing what he was doing. So cool. So as a result, you know, there's millions and trillions of bugs. You can hear them. Not right here, but in some other parts as I'm walking, I can hear them uh, all around me, everywhere. But I've got my bug spray too. Learning my lessons painfully and slowly. Oh, speaking of painfully, there's this bug. I was looking online for some reason about bugs. Um, I think because I just saw a headline that said the most painful stings and I went to look at what they were. Number, it was the top five or a top ten and uh, number nine, not the most painful but almost the most painful was uh, a thing called a hawk. Oh, now I won't remember. It was called a, it was actually called a tarantula hawk but it was a, it's a wasp. Darn. It had a name like a bird. thought I'd remember it. But he said the painful, this thing, this thing is so painful, it's like a 20,000 volt shock. It's this great big two inch long wasp, is what it really is. And I think they're only in the south. Um, and it'll zap you. It'll give you a, a huge painful sting. Oh, and then the other day, Gary was telling me on Facebook about uh, dragonflies. And he says something about how they bite. And I said, what are you talking about, they bite? And he said, yeah, they bite. And I said, on what planet do they bite? <laughs> or something, right? And he, he's completely right. The bigger ones, they'll take a piece out of you. So that's a nice little factoid that makes me feel better. I'm just, I don't, you know, I've talked about it before. I'm not really squeamish around bugs. But the big fat ones that buzz around my head. Give me the heebie-jeebies. But the... Like that one. You hear them? But the dragonflies, I wasn't really worried. I was going through a huge field of them last week or two weeks ago. And it seemed like every single stalk 
I wasn't recording because I was so hot. That was the day I was really suffering. And I was in actually really, I was in trouble. Not, not like helpless, but I was really uh, in the danger zone that day. I was way too hot. Um, it's no joke. And so I, and I was reading later, my mom sent me some articles on it. And yeah, the dizziness and the feeling like you're heavy and it's followed later by convulsions <laughs> and things that you don't want to necessarily go through. But anyway, I was fine. I made it. Um, but I was walking through this tall grass, shoulder height grass, and the trail was very unused. And so it was, uh, it was, it was, you know, brushing against me. So I was really like I was walking through the field. There was almost no trail, but you could just see it. And it seemed like every single stalk of grass had these beautiful, and I showed you a picture, beautiful golden orange, actually orange, like hot rod orange dragonflies. And they were tiny. They were only about an inch and a half, two inches long, maybe bigger. And they're on every single stalk of grass. So I'd walk and a cloud of dragonflies would fly around. <laughs> and of course, I'm oblivious to the fact that they actually bite. But it must be rare. I th- Gary says that when they, it's usually only the bigger ones. And it only happens if they, if you annoy them or you're bugged in, you bump into one or something. But I bumped into hundreds of them. And all my life, I've bumped into them a zillions of times. And I've never been bitten. But he says the big ones will take a chunk right out of you. Anyway, uh, so that was good knowledge. Um, learned my lesson too from last time because I got so dehydrated. I did bring water, but the humidity was such that it was intensifying the heat and there was no wind and full sun. And so, um, I thought it was fun because it was kind of shady all the way around the first half. And then I decided, oh, am I going to turn around where I came from or plow ahead? And I decided to plow ahead. And the second course is much longer and steeper. Um, Ups and downs, ups and downs. And full sun a lot of the way. So uh, I had already used up my water. That was the other thing. So I've got tons of water with me. I've got an ice pack in my bag. I've got my dead kitten, as they call it, the fuzzy thing on the mic, blocking the wind. It's really windy right now. And I've got a macaroni and cheese loaf sandwich. <laughs> Do you know what that is? Mac and cheese loaf? If you're Canadian, you know. If you've never heard that, it's... Uh, it's a picture of bologna, but add cooked macaroni pieces and little squares of cheese so that when you slice it, it looks like transected cheese and macaroni in with your bologna. And I love it. I grew up with it. I think Dad must have made sandwiches for me for school because it's one of my favorites. It's disgusting, but it's so good. Oh, i got too much... So the only downside is I've got too much weight on me. Big heavy camera and a big heavy bag. But I'm very, I feel much more prepared. I'm trying to adjust my pack, hang on. I need to, I kind of jury-rate this pack. I bought a, oh, Jesus. 
bought a bag, but it came, it was really a fanny pack, whatever that is. I think it's supposed to sit on your tummy. But I don't want that, so I kind of monkeyed with it. and It's now over my, I have a new strap on it, it's over my shoulder. Anyway, so, yep, there's your opener. Lots to talk about today, so hopefully I remember it all. And uh, we'll catch up in a sec. It's kind of cool to hear the crickets. You don't hear them much in the daytime. I don't know why. Sometimes you do. And sometimes you do not. So how have you been? I'm... I'm uh, I didn't do a podcast last week because I don't know why. Oh, I know why, because I went. Um, okay, check this out. So, <laughs> I'm walking at, finally I found, um, what's it called? Um, Rattlesnake Point. Finally I find it. And... It was just way too many people. It was way too hot, and I just got annoyed. And and so check out this clip of an example of why I say there were too many people. This This is like most of the way I was hiking. So here I was walking. There's about 20 people behind me. All you can hear is the sloshing of all... I brought so much water with me because I was paranoid from the week before. Listen to all the water sloshing. Anyway, eventually this guy starts chiming up singing. And I just couldn't believe it. I mean, he's a great singer. Very, very beautiful voice. It's so funny with all that water. That guy singing hallelujah. So eventually I just stopped and let them pass. Um, I don't know how you actually like No, I don't know. I don't know. Filipino, Indonesian. Yeah. And then I realized, I bet you he was singing that same song the entire hiking trip and I bet they all wanted to kill him isn't that hysterical so you know I couldn't record I felt self-conscious I couldn't record anywhere because there's people everywhere and the trail's dumb it actually um, it is very pretty it goes through these tall trees and I love tall trees especially when there's not a lot of undergrowth ouch something bit me even though I got bug spray on and uh So the trail, the, the one trail that was there, not that I want to talk about trails, but it's boring, I know, but it, so it was a four-hour hike one way, I think, maybe four hours return, but there's no loop. You go out and you go back, and that's just, I don't like those kinds. So anyway, that's why I didn't record last week, and I figure that's all right. 
Once in a while I need a break, and it was actually a good break. Because it was kind of a stressful week. Um, and even more stressful this past. So I signed up for this course. Everybody was telling me I should take this course because it was... Uh, so three people recommended it. And it's expensive, and they only, they only offer it to people that are at a certain level uh, and up. So I was actually pretty honored to be asked. So I didn't know what kind of a course it was. I just knew it was about communicating. And I don't know why I didn't put two and two together for this, but obviously that means public speaking as well as <laughs> writing emails. And it was, I, I, in retrospect, I'm really, really glad I did it. Um, that was Thursday and Friday, full two full days of this. And uh, the guy's name is Simon. I can't remember his last name. Highly recommend it if you uh, have the opportunity. He looks, he's a dead ringer to my cousin Oliver. I said this on audio, but it's, it was kind of uh, weird for me because he was so close and not, not really like that you put them next to each other, they wouldn't really... You may not think they look alike, but uh, the way he talks and his facial expressions and just, he just was all over. It was weird. <laughs> so that was cool, but odd. And uh, we focus on uh, things like writing. One, one thing I really, really, I took a few things to heart. One of them I really enjoyed, and I'm really glad that he put, the way he put this is uh, he says when you're, when you're, uh, you know, especially when you're in a leadership position, he says this is something that you see from a lot of executives, executives that he respects. He says you kind of have to act like your own PR censor uh, almost because you're like a brand. And if you treat yourself like a brand, there's a lot of J's around. Um, it makes sense to be, he called it like this, he's put it like this, he said, be impeccably polite. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's interesting. Because when he said it, I thought, yeah, I'd like to be impeccably polite, that'd be cool. And he says, not fuddy-duddy, not like, you know, not like um, a pushover or, or a teetotaling thing. It's not, he says, no. Impeccably polite means can't be caught. You're, you're not sending snarky things and trying to get away with it. He says, if you are, you're not getting away with it. You think you are, do you think you're the only person not getting, you think you're the only person getting away with snarky, you know, kind of passive-aggressive emails or any kind of communication? You're not getting away with it. He says, people read your correspondence automatically with a little bit of, uh, me, 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 like sarcasm, you know? They'll read, they'll read it. In fact, they did a great exercise where he asked us to read out emails from people that we found um, relevant to this subject. And everyone read their aloud. They read them aloud. And, and, and everybody read them aloud with a snarky voice. Shit, that was a beautiful monarch. And I could have dropped the mic and take a picture of it, but... Anyway, so what's interesting about that is even if you don't mean something to be snarky, there's going to be 10% more, 20% more snarkiness added just by generally the reader. The reader will add that for you. And 
fascinating and totally true. And so I've already changed my style a little bit, and I've decided that I'm going to make sure my correspondence is impeccably polite, even if I want to jab somebody. You know, that'll be a very big challenge. And I really found that uh, relevant and totally true. And then the other, there's a whole bunch of other stuff, but the other thing of note that, that, that he, as we talked about, uh, you know, what do you want to work on? And uh, what are the thing all around the room? There's only like five of us. It's very intimate. So we get really personal coaching. And he, he asked everyone, what, what do you want to work on to improve yourself? What, what, I want to make sure you get something out of this. And everyone had their own things. And mine was, well, I know I need work on speaking in public. But I don't want to. I dread the idea of even working on it. I dread the idea of planning a talk. You know, I don't, I really hate it. And he says, okay, I'll tell you right now that we're going to be <laughs> writing a speech, speaking that speech in front of everyone while you're standing in front of the room, and I'll be videotaping it. Right? So everyone's like, oh no, oh no, no, get me out of here, right? But, uh, over the next couple of days we did that we wrote our speeches and uh, we sat, stood in front of the room and he filmed us and each one of us had a chance to improve and he showed us the tape afterward and it was really great sorry I got that short because there were people coming so what <laughs> see what I do I just kind of cannot plow through when somebody's walking toward me. So we all, it was stressful just writing them because you had to put it in point form so that you could wing it. You know, so that you could look at the bullets and wing it. And uh, I like to wing it without any preparation and half the time I'm okay and half the time I'm not. Definitely less so in front of a bigger group or a very big group, definitely. And, uh, He's, he, one thing that was fascinating is he says, you can put in, make notes, have a piece of paper on a table in front of you. It doesn't make it less effective. He says, just make sure you're not reading. You know, make sure you're not reading from the paper. Make sure you stop. Take a breath. He says, breathe from the diaphragm, which is or from the stomach area. What is that, the diaphragm? Which just means pull your lungs from below as opposed to your chest muscles, which if you do it from your chest, it makes your shoulders expand. And you can you can see that. But if you breathe breathe with your lower muscles pulling your lungs from below, you can't see. And you so you take a breath, take it and then breathe out, and then talk. And he says, people think you won't have enough breath to speak, but you will. Anyway, um, reading the bullet, understanding it to yourself, and then looking up and looking somebody in the eye and saying it, say, saying what you're going to say to them, was a big difference. So you have the paper in front of you, you look down, you read the first thing, you look up, and then you start talking while looking at somebody, and that is so much easier because... You know, it gives you a chance to focus, that little pause. 
like I just did there. I do it all the time on this. Because I need I take what time I need. But when you have someone in front of you waiting for you to keep going. Can't tell what that is. I think it's a swallow. It feels like an eternity. That pause feels like an eternity. An eternity. You can't even pause for half a second. You know, a, a two-second pause feels like a 15-second pause. But the thing is, when you're watching it back, and this is the key, we all dreaded looking at ourselves, especially me. I hate looking at myself in pictures and video. I just I hate I'm body conscious. I hate it. But you get over that. Like So he says, everybody just, just relax. Forget about judging yourself physically. Judge yourself based on how you're presenting. And I looked and I thought, man, I I was way more nervous than I thought. I was way more nervous than I look right now watching. And I didn't look nervous. And I was, you know, and what do you do with your hands? What do you do with your hands? He says, what do you do with your hands is you just don't worry about it. Put them at your sides. Forget about them for the moment. Just forget about them for the first 30 seconds. And then start talking. And then your hands are going to take care of themselves. And it's, it's, it was harder than that for me. I started out with them just hanging. And I found it weird to talk without moving them. So I started to move them with emphasis. And when I looked on the video, it, it looked... I thought it was awkward, but it looked so natural. It helped me look incredible. And as I was listening to myself, I thought, you know what, I, would, I find this an interesting talk. I would like to hear the rest of this, you know. And I was like, it was absolutely eye-opening. And of course, I'm still terrified of the idea. I, I get by, you know, but everyone's terrified of, of having to stand there with everyone gawking at them and say some shit. But if you got, if you prepare and re- another thing he says is you rehearse. I should be <laughs> spilling all these secrets of his, but... It's knowledge. Um, people don't rehearse. They, they will write notes and they'll look at the notes and they'll think about the notes. But they won't orally rehearse. And the thing that's wrong with that is it's really a physical performance. And because it's a physical performance, the first time you do it without rehearsing, it's going to be clunky. You're going to feel funny. You'll, you'll realize there's things you stumble over that you didn't think you would. And I didn't rehearse, and uh, I, I should have, because the first, because he did, he, he, we all did our little talk, right to the end, and there was this, all this applause. <laughs> and then they'd kind of helpfully suggest things, and, and things like taking that breath and pausing and not worrying about pausing, and not reading while you're looking down at the paper, look at the paper silently, look up and and read and but most of all just having done it once made the second time so much better so practicing you can't practice in front of people but anyway and it isn't like you know what this does the number one fear everyone has is not death that's the number two fear the number one fear is speaking in public and I believe it because it's the one thing that you have in the back of your mind where you see someone do it and you think, oh God, thank God that's not me, right? And having done it a few times, you know, it gets a little easier, but you still, if you unless you're shown some things on what to do and you prove to yourself that you don't look like a moron, <clears throat> it's still anxiety. So 
the one thing this has done for me is make me feel a lot less anxious about it. At least I can do something and plan and know what I'm doing. Know how to plan, you know? So it was great. Simon something. Look him up. Don't tell him Chub Creek sent you because Chub Creek is not a work thing. But uh, look it up and, uh, you know, if you can get a hold of him, if you're in Canada, definitely worthwhile. I don't know what he charges, probably a good deal, but anyway. Yeah, so I gripped my teeth and I watched myself speak and I thought, oh, it's okay. I'm shocked that it isn't horrible. I'm shocked I don't look as nervous as I felt. So that was the anxiety over the last week. Um, I also had a lot of other work to do and it's just a heavy, heavy... And this was thrown on top. <laughs> so, busy, heavy week. And I, this is Sunday and I'm walking today. I should usually walk on Saturday, but... Um, it was too hot. It was like four degrees hotter yesterday and more humidity. And today is 24, which is just, it's a little too hot still, it's humid, but it's just about perfect, really. A little too hot. Uh, so that's why I didn't go out yesterday, so today I don't know if I'll be able to get all the th- stuff I have to do done, all the editing done to the podcast and stuff. You can hear the water. There's a river at the end of this. Oh, and one of the things I was doing yesterday was uh, sanding this shelf. And uh, I looked at it in the light, and the, the surface that we'd already sanded smooth. There was lots of little scratches in it. And so that bugged me enough to have another go. So I spent, uh, I don't know, hours yesterday re-sanding it. I went and got some good sandpaper, some 180 and, or one something, 120 and 220 grit. And boy, that's glassy smooth now. It feels so nice. It feels like I can't. It's, it's, I don't know what is this about. It's hard, smooth maple. It just feels so nice. So that was yesterday. So there's dust everywhere. <laughs> Again, I did it twice now. Anyway, um, let's take a woo. Let's take a break for some. Some, uh, a musical selection that I found on the way here. Forget the name of it, but uh, it's really cool. It's a little bit upbeat. Upbeat. A stupid phrase. This is Parade of Lights with We're the Kids.
catching a nice little break here by the river. Don't hear that. Oh, so glad I brought lots of water. Yeah, it's really nice. So I just enjoyed my little mac and cheese loaf sandwich. <laughs> it was really good, really refreshing. It gives you some energy. Having a little break. I never usually have a break, I just keep going, so. Hope I have you turned down enough. I've got the levels down because I'm sitting next to a really loud river. It's the Credit River. Oh, it's really nice. <coughs> I don't know why, but it seems like the bugs don't uh, care for the river very much because there's no bugs down here. Speak of lots of damselflies flitting around the water edge, but no mosquitoes, no deer flies, no dragonflies, just butterflies, and there's a ton of monarch butterflies because they love those milkweeds, I guess. I don't want to move again. I was looking at my iPhoto library this morning and uh, one of the folders was named Old Sam and that refers to my old dog that I uh, had growing up, that we had. It wasn't just my dog. And uh, immediately what jumped into my mind, well, first of all, what I thought of was that he's definitely no longer with us, which is I don't know why I dwell on that, but I just think of how long he could possibly have lived. And we got him when I was 11. So he would be... He would be 30-something, so... There's just no way. And I hate that for some reason. And uh, the other thing I thought of right away was the memory I have of him is when he would come running across the room when I was uh, very young. And he'd jump on my lap and he would get his tongue right inside mine. What? Like expertly. What? No, he got his tongue inside my mouth. And, <laughs> and then I thought, the reason I was so grossed out when I had my first real kiss was because it reminded me of my dog. Which is really funny. Anyway, so I'm going to take some pictures of this and I guess I'm going to head back. Maybe the same way I came. I'm almost a third of the way back, I guess. That's a neat one. Never heard that before. I guess I'm just proving to myself there are a lot of birds. Did I ever tell you about that first kiss, by the way? I feel like I have. <laughs> first real kiss. <laughs> Her name was Donna, and I apologize, Donna, if you're listening. I know that she uh, knows about this podcast, I think. And recently we found each other again on Facebook. Um, very, very, you know 
casually. I said hello twice. Um, but it was nice. Nice to see what everybody's doing. I'm not really sure what she's doing, actually. But I, anyway, I'm going off topic. Um, you know, you, you ever just wonder if people are still around? It's just kind of reassuring to know people are still around. And, and, and I'll come back to this, but uh, seeing how people have aged after 20 years is really strange. But, uh, yeah, back in the 80s, I was a very late bloomer. Not a late bloomer, but I got onto the action really late. <laughs> I was about 18, I think. And I'm at Donna's house. And I don't remember how it all happened. I guess what happened was we were friends, but we had a circle of friends. And I was there with her and some friends. And... I guess what happened was everyone filtered away except me and her, and she decided it was time to make a move. And it didn't, I had no idea what was going to happen. And so she plants a kiss on me, and it was with full tongue, you know. And it was the first time I'd ever experienced this. And it was slimy and, like, gross beyond belief. But a thrilling at the same time. And I recall leaving that night after getting up to a whole bunch of other mischief together. Well, actually, not much more. I think I was terrified, and I left uh, at some point. And I remember spitting, spitting, spitting as I was getting in my car. I was spitting on the on the ground to get rid of this bit. But uh, yeah, that was in about '85 or '4. Or six or something. But over the years, I've uh, reconnected with most of the, not most, some of the, of the women that I've dated over the years, just out of curiosity to see what's going on and maybe rekindle in some cases. And uh, I've had a few of them over for uh, for dinner and stuff. And, um. For the most part, just, you know, casually and friendly, you know, for dinner, so, for the most part. Um, but it is absolutely freaky. Like, there was this one girl, uh, Stacy, and I knew her when I was, it was probably the next girlfriend I had after Donna, so I would have been 19, 20, maybe at the most, 20. And I remember her, she was a course I remember her, but I remember her very distinctly. She was strawberry blonde with naturally curly, you know, that really thick, she had so much hair, really thick curly hair, blonde, little cutie pie, little dimples, and uh, she followed me out of a club once, and we got, I don't remember, oh, because it was, I was doing wall murals, and she knew it was me that did them in this club called uh, The Queens, if you've ever been to Barrie, Ontario. It was called, for a short time, it was called Legends. And I had just done all this mural, and so <laughs> somehow she caught wind of who I was and the fact that I'd done this. And I don't remember, because I was drinking, I don't remember exactly, but she, I, oh, I do, I do remember. She needed a place to stay. And she was kicked out of some place, like her boyfriend's house. I don't know. Who knows? I didn't care, right? 
And so, of course, she's, <laughs> of course, I'm so gallant, right? I offer a place to stay, and, you know, she was just a young thing. She would have been, like, 18. And uh, I kind of really felt heavy for this girl. She she was just so, she was a wild spirit, you know? She, she would just start dancing in the middle of a room in a really sensuous way, like, not like a slow dance, but like a boogie and kind of a, you know what I mean? Like a fast, she could fast dance in a way that would make you stop and stare. And I remember just all these little things like that. And I uh, didn't realize what kind of girl she was. <laughs> because she was the kind of girl that got around. And uh, in fact, I remember at one point driving to her house up in Midland. And... Uh, meeting her, and it was a long time after we'd broken up, and I just wanted to see her again, and I went to the trouble of, you know, going all the way, driving an age just to get to this house, um, meeting up with her, and I remember when I was leaving, <laughs> in pulls another car, and it was like next, it was a guy I knew too, it was a deaf guy, so, you know. And I'm not judging him, because, you know, I was just as bad. But it was like a revolving door for her, and I had no idea. So, don't ask me why. But I decided to, 30 years later. So now she's about 40. Um, I found her again on Facebook. Facebook is amazing for this. It's probably what it was meant for. And I invited her for dinner, you know, of course. Thinking, oh yeah, let's see what she's like now. <laughs> Stupid idiot, right? Like, what am I doing? And it was a very nice visit, and she came over, and it was absolutely bizarre, bizarre, bizarre to see somebody after 30 years. Is it 30? 20, maybe. What is it? So, 90. Would have been 91. 2001, 2011, so 20-something years, and uh, actually she'd aged very well, but still, she was older, and, and you know, mom age, <laughs> and it's, just, it's just, it makes life, it just makes you think about life, you know, what the hell? What's the deal with the passage of time and how fast, how fast everything happens, you know? It just makes you want to hold on. You know, that ended and, you know, and I, never saw, I never saw her again after that. Actually, it was because she wanted to stay another night and I said no. <laughs> you know? I was such a jick. Jick? Dink? A jick. I'm such a jick. And... But, you know, I, I realized, like, uh, I, the reason that happened was I realized that I was out of my mind. Just looking for company, really. And I'm not sorry I did it. I'm just, uh, I've never sorry since. And uh, just everything is so fleeting, isn't it? It just made me think. Made me think, and I still think about that. And the other people that I've met over the years... Even seeing Gary again and saying, like, Jesus Christ, he's now 
you know, dad age. It's just hard to, I don't want to say old because he's the same age as me, but, you know, he's old. I'm old. He's old. And it, it's just happened too fast. I, I remember. I remember the very day I met him. I, I remember, uh, I even remember the first, one of the first <laughs> times he made me laugh. And I it wasn't even his friend. I remember hanging out at the school, ready for my, this is a brand new school. And I was waiting to go inside. And for some reason, there was a lot of girls lined up. There was all these girls eager to get in, lined up. And it had just rained and there were worms all over the ground that had just been flooded out of the wall of the ground. And Gary was there and I saw him hanging out with his friend. And they were gigg- giggling together because he, he had a container, some container he'd found, or a can or something. And he'd loaded it full of worms. And I remember watching and thinking, what are you doing? And he goes over to these, uh, these girls, this lineup of 25, 30 girls. And he, he, he takes that cup of worms and he goes fling, and he flings it into the air. You know, he still had the cup in his hands, but the worms went flying, right? And it rained. <laughs> it rained. It rained worms. I'd probably told this story. It rained worms on those poor girls. Like something out of the Bible. And they were screaming. It screams like like the sound of a jet engine. And that was my first sight of Gary. That was my first interaction with Gary, really. I didn't even have an interaction. It was just me laughing at him. And the laughs wouldn't stop for 30 more years. 35. So, it's, uh, it's, it's sobering, all that. But it's not discouraging. It's, it just makes life real. What I mean by that, like, you know how you live your whole young life thinking you're, you're immune to everything and you're, you know, you're invulnerable and getting old isn't going to happen to you. You never really see yourself getting old. And when you see somebody age right before your eyes like that, you realize, you know what, it is real. Life is finite, and it really does, you really do grow old, you know. I don't know why that's hard to grasp, but it just is. Wow. Anyway, that's my story for today. I think I better wrap it up. So, let me know what you think. Keep in touch with me if you want to. Let me know what's going on. And I'll write you back. Um, oh, Ken, by the way. Ken's been listening. He's waiting for the day I uh, get my little wheeled cart ready to pull him through the bush like a Roman chariot. Ken, if I could figure it out, I'd do it. Although I don't think I'd be strong enough. Even though you're a... a fit and skinny person I think I'd last about a mile maybe on my shoulders <laughs> anyway we'll see you next week I love you take care bye for now bye